0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. So we are, um, have embarked upon a teaching entitled tonight, uh, The Table is Set. And I don't know about you, but I was glad to be at the table this morning. And here we are once again at the table. And I told you we should always, always be grateful when it's time to come to the table. And our time here together, in your time alone with God, wherever His Spirit is and where His Word is going forth, that is where His table is set. So we need to always be mindful, always be mindful. So if you if you think about it, if you think about it, even throughout the day, when God just speaks to your heart, you're at the table. It doesn't matter. Spirit of God in you, you have the Spirit of God, and He speaks to you, the table is set. You know, one thing about God's table is that it never closes. It never closes right so even in think about our homes you know mama say you know the kitchen is closed but god never says the kitchen is closed it's always open always open isaiah chapter 55 we're going to start here do a little bit of review before we get into our new information isaiah chapter 55 and starting at verse 1 in the scripture reads home everyone that thirsteth come Ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Ye come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. And remember we said here that it's saying here that for all of those who thirst, just come. I don't care what God has for you, it costs no money. It's free. He has given us openly and freely. All things to enjoy in Him, and He says, "Come, no money. You need no. You don't need any money. Just come and buy and eat. Ye come by wine and milk, the choice things. I told you not to get caught up with the the, the uh, what is titled here, wine and milk. It's a representation of the choice things, the choice drinks, without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfies not? Hearken diligently unto me." And eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight. Hearken, eat, and let your soul delight. Incline your ear, verse 3, incline your ear and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him bore witness to the people a leader and a commander to the people so here i told you in verses in verse three he's telling us and he's reminding us of the davidic covenant that was prepared uh for that god had prepared for david and i told you in his house and i told you that the davidic covenant has been extended to us all the Divin- davidic covenant uh represents it represents uh David's house. He, God told him that he was, he was going to send the Messiah out of his house. So it represents his house. And that who, that God was sending the, the Messiah and the Messiah was going to be the king over his kingdom. He was going to establish his kingdom, eternal kingdom, and he was going to sit on the throne. Sitting on the throne, I told you, was just his authority. That means he's going to sit on the throne and that he is going to rule over that throne forever. And the Davidic covenant has been extended to us. Because as we accept Christ, as we accept his call to salvation. I remember I told you, Isaiah chapter 55, this was a call to the people to come unto God. And so as we accept that call, that Davidic covenant has also been extended to us. And we are now, if we accept it, we are now part of God's house. We are part of his kingdom where he rules and he reigns. So that is what the extent of the Davidic covenant, what that means to us now is that we are a part of God's house. That we are a part of his kingdom and that we are a part of the kingdom where Christ sits on the throne, rules and reigns. So that all of our life, that means all of our life, that we have to keep that forever in the forefront of our minds. That we are in God's house. That we are a part of his kingdom where he rules and he reigns. And if we just remember that, that will keep us in the right mindset at all times. Keep us in the right mindset at all times. We are in his house. We are a part of his kingdom where he rules and he reigns. And if we keep that at the very forefront of our mind, then that will keep us from doing, that that should keep us out of being self-willed. That should keep us out of being selfish. That should keep us out, out of doing a whole lot of things that the scripture tells us not to do. Because we are keeping him at the forefront of our minds. That we are a part of his kingdom. That we are a part of his house. And where He and a part of his house where he rules. He rules in both. He rules in his house as a father would. And he rules in the kingdom as a king should. Both. So we are in his house under his rule. We are in his kingdom under his rule. And keeping that the forefront of our minds will keep us straight. I told you that the blessed part about being in God and the kingdom of God is that he has already, just because of that, he has set a place for us at his table. Always. You have a constant. I told you that at his table, it does not it never closes. His kitchen never closes. He will always he's always prepared to cook you up something. Always, as a matter of fact, it's already cooked, all he's doing is serving it, so he he is ready, he is ready, he is ready to serve any time you need. He is ready so we asked, we talked about what's at the table what what's at the table So we said, just like any at any natural house at any natural house, the table is set. At any natural meeting space, the table is prepared. So at the table, what do you find? What can we find? What can we expect when we go to God's table? At his table, it's a place of gathering. I told you that. It's a place of gathering for providing and receiving information. Something is served and something is received. It's a place for gathering. Something is provided and something is received. It could be food, we said, the sustenance, and, and, and I remember I told you to put your, keep your spiritual ears on. It could be sustenance, and our sustenance is the word of God when it, when it pertains to the, to the table at, in God's house, and it's his, his kingdom. It's the sustenance, it's the nutrients, it's what fuels us. And sometimes it's information, or it could be both at the same time. We said that at the table, it's a place of intimacy where loved ones gather and break bread together. We share with one another. We encourage one another. We correct one another. And I said this is the place where unity and oneness exists in that biblical fellowship. At the table. When we go out for, to, to places. When we, when we just gather. And it don't even necessarily have to be, again, at the table. If we're just gathering in, on the shopping trip. If we're gathering here, we're gathering there. Wh- wherever it is, where the spirit of God is, and where his word goes forth, that's where the table is set. No matter where it is. And that is the place of our unity and our oneness. We say that the table is where needs are met. Our needs are met. And it's a place of satisfaction. Appetites are satisfied at the table. Anything that you need is satisfied. Your thirst are quenched daily at the table. Even, as remember saying, even two or three times a day. Or, or more than that, whenever you have a need, God is there and He meets the needs and He satisfies us with great with good things. We said that the table is where direction is given and direction is received. Plans are shared. God shares His plans with us. Hallelujah! He shares His plans with us when we come to the table. He shares His plans with us when we come. To the table. So now you see why it's important that you come to the table. If you don't know, if you have a, have a, have a, have doubt, if you're not sure about what it is that you're supposed to be doing, if if you have any of that, it's because you haven't come to the table. And the ta- and there's a proper way. I'm not trying. And see, and see, and people say, "I come to the table. I come to the table every Sunday when I come to church. I come every Wednesday. I come to the Women of Covenant Fellowship. I come here and I come. I get it. You come to the table. But I told you, it's one thing to come to the table, to the table where the things are prepared for you, but it's another to receive. See, anybody can sit at the table. Everybody that comes to the table don't necessarily eat. The table is set, but just because you come to the table, that does not mean that you eat. It doesn't mean that. It means that, that you're just there. You can be there, but you have to partake. You have to decide that I'm going to partake of what is being given at the table. So the table is where the direction is given. And direction is received. The things are laid out. The plans are laid out. But we have to... Start. There, they're laid out for you to grasp them. They're laid out for you to understand them. They're laid out for guidance. And I told you that it's laid out to create work for you. God has created a work for you. He already has a work for you. But you got to come to the table to find out what that work is. You have to come to the table to find out what that work is as a part of the plan that he is laying out and and uh, dispersing and establishing for you. You have to come to the table and you have to eat. Not just come. You have to come to the table and you have to eat to be able to know and understand what your part is. Remember I said that it's the essential work. It's the thing that must be done. It's the thing that must be brought to completion. This is what he's trying to get us when we come to the table. This is what he's trying to get us to partake of. And we said that the table is where information is revealed and decisions are made. Information is revealed and decisions are made. You have a decision to make when revelation is given and it's presented. You have the choice then to accept it, to reject it, or to modify it. You have that choice. It's up to you what you do with the information that's given. It's up to you what you do with the food that's given to you at the table. You know, people play over it. They don't eat half of it. They do all of that. They eat some. They eat all not eat. You, have to, you are deciding at that point. I'm accepting, I'm rejecting, or I'm modifying. That's what you're deciding. You're deciding if I need a little more season. This just don't taste right. I need a little something more. You're deciding that. Keep it spiritual because God has already, look, God, God, what God has cooked up, you don't need to doctor it up. No salt needed, no pepper needed, no nothing, no hot sauce, no nothing is needed. What God has for you, it's already set and it needs nothing extra. So when you decide you want to add something to it, when you decide you want to take something, that's you modify That's you. That's your modification process. It's not, it's not, listen, it's not, it's not what I, it's not, it's not the taste that I want. It's not the taste that I want. It needs a little something. But God's word and God, what God has for you, it needs no doctoring up. You need to take it just like it is. I remember my grandma used to give us castor, and she would put a try to put a peppermint. And just, listen, just just give it to me. I'm just gonna take it. I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna get it over with. Just take it as it is. Just take it as it is, and you'll be okay. And guess what? That castor was good because it kept me from from things. It kept me from things. When we partake of what God has on His table, it will sustain you, it will keep you. It will give you what you need and keep you from things that you don't need. But you've got to be able to accept it at His table. Accept it the way He's giving it. You've got to accept it the way, the way that He's giving it. We said that everything that is needful, everything that is beneficial and essential is provided at his table. And the same is true for for the table in God's house, in his kingdom. Everything is already set. Listen, everything that you need is found at the table that he has prepared. The fruit of the spirit is at the table. The fruit of the spirit is at the table. Love, joy, peace is at the table. His grace and his mercy are at the table. The table. His grace and his mercy are at the table. Your purpose and his plan for your life are at the table. The purpose and the plan he has for your life is at the table. The answer to your question is at the table. The answer to any question that you have it's at the table. is at the table. Abundant pardon is at the table. Abundant pardon is at the table. Those who are ashamed—we talked about the, the thing, things that we've done and all forgive, We talked about forgiveness. You've forgiven yourself. You go—all of that is found at the table. Great pardon is found at the table. Great pardon is found at the table. The seed for the sore is at the table. Oh, listen to that, because this is what we, this is, we're going to get into some more about that tonight. The seed for the sower is found at the table. In this time of our rise and build, in this time of our restoration of the next generation, in the time of the building of our walls, the seed for the sower, if you're designed to sow some seed, guess what? The seed that you're designed to is at the table. So if you're designed to be a sower, you need to go to the table. The seed for the sower is at the table. Bread to to the eater is found at the table. Bread to the eater is found at the table. So what is necessary? So I said, okay, so if God is providing everything that we need, and he's not asking us to bring anything, we're not bringing no no covered dishes, we're not doing any of that, he's not asking for that, he says, everything I have for you is there. So if everything that we have is at the table he's providing everything that we need, then what, what do we need to bring? There's something that you need to bring. You don't need to bring anything to add to what's already at the table, but there's something that you got to bring in order to receive it. There's something you got to bring in order to receive it. Okay? So, we said that that to receive what's provided at the table, you have to have a willing and an obedient heart. A willing and an obedient heart. Isaiah 55, look at verse 7. It says, let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for, the abu- for, for he will abundantly pardon. And I look at Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 9. Isaiah 1 and 9, it says, Except the Lord of hosts had left us unto a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear. Am I in the right place? Oh, I'm sorry. Not one, Not 9. 19. Isaiah 1 and 19. It says, If ye be willing, here we go. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good. The good of the land. What is willing? What does willing mean? See, you know, sometimes we we, we confuse some things. So we may have a desire. And this, you know what? There's There's no doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind that we at Church of the Living Water that we love God. I have no doubt that we love God. I have no doubt that we desire to do what God wants us to do. I have no doubt that we have that desire. But some of us lack the will. See, there's a difference. You may want to. I want to. I really, I want to. But the will is that means that you have to get rid of your will and you have to be, you have to get rid of self-will and you have to pick up God-will. See, we can't be self-willed. We have to be God-willed. That means whatever God wills, that is, that is the desire that I have. And listen, uh, uh, because again, the desire, we may have a desire, but if we, if we have a God-desire. See, I, the, 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 the desire that I'm talking about, it's one that we've conjured up. You know, it's, it's out of our own thoughts. It's out of our own emotions. It's out of our... And, th- and that's, why, that's why it doesn't last. But when you tap into the will of God and your purpose and you're saying that all I want, all I want is for you to be glorified. All I want is for you to be lifted high. That, that's it. That's how I'm getting rid of it. We sing those songs all the time. But do we really mean it? That's what I'm talking about. Do we, have, have, we, have we allowed the Spirit of God? Have we allowed the Spirit of God to minister that to us? Well that is his will, the God will, not the self will. And I can't do anything within myself. I can't do anything within myself. Listen, you and that's why that's why we go back and forth. That's why we go back and forth. Because we try to our will, we know we try to use our will. We try to use our desires. And yes, our heart is in the right place. But your heart being in the right place is no good if you haven't an attached and a set your affections on the things that are above. See, and that, that's more than just talking. That's more than just talking about it. It's more than just talking about it. I'm talking about seriously. I'm so, this, See, this is for those who are serious. You've got to be serious. And that's why I said, even in this fasting and the things that we're doing, even without the fast, even before the fast, we, we, we understand, we understand that everybody will not go. We understand that. That everybody will not go. Everybody will not participate. Although they may be participating physically, they are not participating spiritually. Everybody will not go. We have to set our wills to be God-willed and not self-willed. Set ourselves to be God-willed and not self-willed. So remember, let's, okay, let's look. It says, so, verse uh, Isaiah 1 and 19, it says, So, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And that good of the land is your salvation. That's what the land represents. It represents your salvation. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of your salvation. That means that everything that is in your salvation, everything that God has provided in salvation for you, you shall eat the good of it if... You be willing and what? Obedient. So, okay, so we got a willingness. So we, let's say we set our will. We're, we're, we're god will. We're not self-willed. We're god will. But now you still got to be obedient. It's not enough to just have a will. You got to be obedient. So when we are God-willed and we are obedient, then you shall eat the good of the land. Follow me on this. Follow me. Follow me on this. Because listen, because like I said, this time, this time that we have, God has given us an opportunity. We're going to see you. God is so faithful. He has given us this opportunity, this opportunity to move us past the surface things that we've been doing. All of us. All of us. He's saying, I'm trying to take you to the next level. Listen, I don't care how high you think that you work. I don't care how in tune you think you thought you were with God. He's saying right now, if you would take advantage of this time that I have with you, I'm going to take you further. He is ready to take you further. He is ready because the table is set. He's ready. He's just waiting for you to sit down and eat. He's ready. He's just ready for you to sit down and eat. He says, if you be willing and obedient, all that I have for you, all that I have for you, you shall eat the good of the land. What's in it? It's His righteousness and His holiness. Yes, I set myself. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I set myself even before this fast. I set myself to be righteous and holy in His sight. But God says, "Listen. Okay. All right. All right. So you don't believe me in your prayer time, in this fasting and praying. Has God not revealed some things to you that you thought?" you had under control? Has he not revealed some things to you that you thought was in check? Have you, Has he not revealed some things to you that you thought was may have been righteousness or may have been holiness, as holy as you thought that you were, as righteous as you thought? Has he not? He says, no, we're moving past. We're moving past holiness and righteousness. We're moving to true holiness and righteousness. Yeah. We're moving past the surface. We're moving past all that. We're moving past to tr- t- 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 true holiness and righteousness. I'm not, he said, I'm, I'm tired of playing, but we're, we're done playing patty cake. We're done with the patty cake. We're done, we're done with the elementary stuff. We're done with the kindergarten stuff. We're done with the coloring. We're done with the naps. We're done with that. We're moving on to the college level, so to, the, to, the, to the Ph.D. level. That's, that's where I'm trying to take you. I, it's time, get, we need to get out of the elementary. It's time to move into the Ph.D. The, the Ph.D. Point, that's that's where we need to be. He says, if you would take advantage of this time, if you would just take advantage of this time, you are going to see me move miraculously. You're go- you are going to experience me like you have never experienced me before. And that alone, that alone, it is going to push you to more hungering and more thirsting. He says, if you're doing right, this is going to push you. Our pastor's talking about after this, gonna, we, it's, it's, it does not stop, right? Because we have to have we have to have a fasting lifestyle. He says that you won't have a problem with that. You won't have a problem with the fasting lifestyle if you would just do this correctly. You're gonna want to. You're not gonna. Nobody's gonna have to prompt you. And look, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but this is my first. This is the first fast that I've done for this extent. I've never done a 31-day fast. Never. I've done a one-day, I've done a three-day, I've done a seven-day, I've done a two-week, I've done a 21-day. I've never done a 31-day fast. But it, see, and even in that, he's trying to tell me, listen, I, we're extending, I, we're pushing, we're stretching, we're stretching. We're, we're stretching. Because where I'm trying to take you, I need, I need, I need you to have, I need you to have a little something extra. I need, you to be, I need you to be in a better place. I need you to be in a better place than what you were before. He says, I need you to be in a better place than what you were before. For the heavy lifting. For the building of this wall, for the heavy lifting that's coming forth. He said, I need you all to be in a better place. He said, you were doing good. You were doing good. You were doing alright. You, you were alright. But he said, no, I, I need you to, I need you to, I need you to move from that. He's moving us, church. He's moving us. He's moving us. No eye have seen, no ear have heard what God has in store for those who love him. He says, "This is the time to show me that you love me. Because when you come to the table and you receive of me, and you will willingly come and obey, as you continue to thirst and you continue to hunger after me, and I see that change in you, what well, he says, this is going to show, this is going to prove your love for me. This is going to prove your love for me. Listen, just 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 hear all I'm saying. You at the table." You're at the table. You're at the table. Just receive what he has. Be willing and obedient and just receive what he has. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's turn there. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's look at verse 12. It says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. And departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. No. Did it again. Hebrews 4.12. That's not it. For the word of God is quick. Here we go. For the word of God is quick. And powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And of the joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed unto the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. So here he's telling us that, that the word of God is quick. Remember what I said. When you thought, I don't care how high you thought you, were, how close you thought you were to God, how holy you thought you were, how righteous, he's saying that at this time when you come to this table, he says I'm going to show you my word is going. My word is sharper than two S, uh, than a two edged sword. and I'm going to show you things that are deep in your heart. Those things, those things that are here, those things that that, that, that close to that marrow and that bone, as close to those things that, 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 that they that they are, I'm going to pull those things apart. And I'm going to reveal those things to you. I'm going to show you. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. Listen, you may have thought. You, you know, I, at one point, you know, at, at one point you may have thought, thought, oh, okay, well, this, this, is not, this is not so bad, you know, and, and, I'm getting, and I'm getting away. But guess what? God's thoughts are not your thoughts. And your ways are not His ways. He said, this is the time I'm going to show you those things. Those things are the things that I'm going to show you. He, God knows... Listen, we have to understand that we are open, that we are exposed, that we are naked, that we are defenseless. You can't defend nothing. You are defenseless to the eyes of God. God knows every crack. He knows every crevice. He knows every nook and cranny. He knows it all in our character, in our integrity, and in our thoughts. And that is what He's revealing to all of those things. All of those cracks and crevices. All of those things. He's revealing to us in our character, in our integrity, and in our thoughts. Everything exposed and naked before Him. Everything. you You cannot defend anything about you when it comes to the eyes of God. You cannot defend yourself. Don't even try. No need to try. That, that is a battle that you will lose every time. As a matter of fact, God just dropped his weapon because he's like, what, what? I don't even have to. You, you, are, you are no comparison. I made you. I know you better than you know yourself. I know you better than you know yourself. In your mother's womb, I formed you. I know you better than you know yourself. Every do you know how many pieces of hairs you have on your head? Guess what? God knows. God knows. And we lose them every day, but He still keeps count, even of the ones we lose every day. He still knows. What kind of awesome God is that? Now you got 1,254. Now you got 1,000. Now you got 900. He knows them all. He knows them all. So true holiness and true righteousness is what God is getting us to. We have a task. Okay, so His true holiness and righteousness, a true desire to fulfill God's plan. Those are, the, those are the things that we need. A true desire for holiness and righteousness, a true desire to fulfill the purpose and the plan that God has for us. In that, listen, in that, we need to understand, the, 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 to fulfill the purpose and plan that God has for us. We need to understand that we have to have, and we've been hearing this, that the Word of God, Has to meet our faith. And that also means that it must meet a soul and a heart with the proper motives and thoughts towards God. The thought that we need to have towards God. It's who he is. We have to have the proper thoughts and the motives towards others. We need to keep in mind that they are his people. We need to keep in mind who we are towards ourselves. We have to have the proper motives, the proper thoughts towards ourselves. Who we are not without Him. You have to have the proper thoughts. You have to have the proper motives towards God, meaning who He is. You need to beware of who He is. You need to beware of who others are. That they are His people. And to beware of yourself. Who you are not without him. This is what you need to bring to the table. This is your to fulfill the purpose and the plan of God. These are the things that we need to keep in mind. God has placed each and every one of us in the body as he has seen fit. Listen, this is a natural example. Real quick, a natural example of something specific, what I just said. We Sometimes we don't respect what God is doing in other people. Sometimes we don't respect what God is doing in other people. Here's a natural example. So we had our, 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 our September 1st, we had our, our, our dinner. And we had an order. Everybody R S C P. would everybody chose what they wanted. Right? We wanted chicken, we wanted meatloaf. Everybody did. So we have people go to the back, well I, I know I ordered chicken, but I want meatloaf. having the proper motives, the proper thoughts towards others towards who you are towards who you are not without him having respect for what other people what God is doing in other people you didn't care about what somebody else ordered you were going to take their order because you wanted to change yours that's a natural example but guess what? If you're doing that naturally, you have no regard for people naturally like that. And see, we don't think of, and we, don't, we see, we don't, you know, but you know, we didn't think that was, you know. I saw it there. I thought, you know, it could be they had action. You don't know what they had. You order something, but you are coveting what somebody else had. And we do that in, in, the, in the Word. We do that with, we do that with our gifts. You're what somebody else has. No, you, whatever God has given you, that's what you have. Because it's part of His purpose. It's a part of His plan. God has set us all in the place, in His church, in His local body, as He has seen sin. And we can't disregard what God is doing in somebody else's life. We can't disrespect what God is doing in somebody else's life. We have to be willing to accept and to yield what God is doing in us and in the lives of others as we are all on this wall together. I know. See, that small, that small, and, and, and Minister uh, Hill talked about this, it's, some, it's some, the small thing. We, we forget about the large thing. It's the small thing that shows our heart. That shows our hearts. And we think it's a small thing, but that shows your heart. Amen. Amen. Guess what? Some of the people did not even get a chance to eat because we are people going back for seconds. Not only did they want their portion, but they wanted somebody else's. Lord, just give me all. I want, you know, I, I, know, what I, I know what you gave me, but I know I need, I want some more. I need some more. And somebody didn't even eat. Revealing our hearts. God revealing our hearts. Even in those small things. Revealing our hearts. Faith. So not only do we have to be willing and obedient, but we have to have faith. Trusting in God's process to fulfill His promise, His way. We have to trust in God's process to fulfill His promises, His way. His ways are not our ways. In Isaiah, we're not going to go back there, but Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. It says that his ways are higher than our ways, that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. In Hebrews chapter 4, and Minister Hill talked about this morning, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. It says that we may have to mix our faith. Mix our faith with the word. For it to profit us. You've got to mix faith with the word for it to profit you. None of God's promises come to those who don't believe, period. None of God's promises come to you if you do not believe, period. At some point, you just got to take Him at His word. At some point, you take Him at His word, you trust and you obey, and then you will experience His goodness and you will eat the good of the land that He has already prepared you got to trust Him. you got to obey. Isaiah chapter 55. You have to have a hunger and a thirst. You have to have a hunger and a thirst. And we're just about where I really want it to be. Isaiah chapter 55. Let's look at... Um, Isaiah 55, let's look at verse 3. Incline your ear, 55 and 3. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. To hunger, so to hunger means to crave Ardently and seek with eagerness. That's a hunger. To hunger means that you should crave. That's, a, that's a, an ordinate crave. And that means to seek with eagerness. It means to seek with eagerness substance. That means nutrition, fuel, food that sustains, that keeps, that nourishes, and that strengthens. When you are hungry naturally, you are seeking. Your body is craving that which will sustain you, the nutrition, the food that will sustain you, that will keep you, that will nourish you, and that will strengthen you. When we thirst, that is to want for and eagerly long for that which refreshes and supports and strengthens. A thirst. We want when we when we say that we're thirsty. We need our mouths to be refreshed. We need that support. We need that. We we need we need that support. We need that strengthen. You can't go very far very long without water. You need that. If your body is craving it, that means that you are in dehydration. Your body is craving. You're already in dehydration. If you're feeling that way, you're feeling thirsty. So that's a want, and that's an even that's a long for a refreshing. In John chapter six. Let's look at that. So keep that in mind. A hunger is to crave, a thirst is to want and eagerly long for. John chapter six. Let's look at John chapter six. Verse twenty four. And let me set this up for you real quick. This is one of the miracles that God did when the five when He fed the, 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 the multitude. With the two fish and the five loaves of bread. So after they have eaten. So this is after they have eaten. uh, Some time after. Verse 24. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there. At the place where they had eaten. Neither his disciples. They also took shipping and came to Capernaum. Seeking for Jesus. They were seeking for him. And when they had found him. On the other side of the sea. They said unto him, Rabbi. When camest thou hither? Like, why did you leave? Why are you here? Why did you leave? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him, give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. And they said unto therefore unto him, What signs showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, and they're still talking about eating. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, barely, barely, I say unto you, listen, listen, he says, I'm listening. Uh, What I'm saying to you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So, see, listen, when they came to God, when they were seeking him, they were seeking him all right. But when they were seeking him, they were seeking him for another reason. But Jesus said, no, you're not seeking me for that. I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, see, I, I hear you. But you're seeking me for something. But I am trying to give you something more, something greater than what you have in mind. You're coming to me for one thing. Listen, that's what God is telling us. In this passing and prayer, you're coming to me for one thing. But I'm going to give you something else. Listen, has this happened to anybody else? Well, you know, we're supposed to put a plan together. This is what I'm praying for. You know, we're supposed to put it. This is what we're praying for spiritually. And this is my my spiritual reason uh, for the church. And this is my personal reason. We put that down on paper. But has anybody's plan changed since you've been in prayer? Because listen, this is what God is telling me. I know what you're coming to me for. I know, I know. You put a plan together as you should have. I know what you were coming to me for. He says, but I have something far greater for you than what you were coming to me for. He says, listen. What you were coming to me, what you were coming to me, it was just a little, it was a little snack. It was just a little food. I'm trying to give you something, the bread of life that you cannot get from any other table. He says, I'm trying to give you the bread of life. I'm trying to be your source. be your nutrition. I'm trying to fuel you. I'm trying to support you. I'm trying to strengthen you. I'm trying to give you way more than what you thought you were coming for. Think about the woman, the woman at the well of Samaria. When she talked about it, she says, listen, whatever this water after she talked about the foolishness about what her fathers did and what her forefathers did and all of that. Then when she got to the point where she said, so give me this water so I won't have to come to this well. Why did she say that? Because remember, she was an adult. She was living with somebody that she wasn't married to and had five other husbands. So she didn't want to come to the well because of the shame, because of what people were talking about. Because she, she didn't want to come. God says, listen, bring me all of that. So she said, when he was, she started seeking him and she started asking for this. He said, listen, I know what you're asking for, but you need something greater. You need something greater than what you're coming to before. for. You need something greater. She was confronted with truth. Listen, when you're at the table, you're going to be confronted with the truth. You're going to be confronted with the truth. But whatever Jesus is ready to give you it is far greater it is far better than what you are seeking she was thinking about what she had the things that she had settled for she was thinking about the things that she had settled for but God was ready he was ready to give her something far greater she needed a dip See, she needed, she needed him, that, that truth. She needed that truth to discern there's those bones from those marrow. She needed that truth. He, she, needed a, she needed a better outlook, a different outlook. And God gave her a different outlook. Gave her a great, a different outlook. Remember, she was coming to the well. She said, Give me this water so I won't have to come back to the well. Right? So she was trying to cover up. Right? She was trying to keep away from that shame. But God says, He says that I'm going to give you water, and the, the, the water that I give you, that you will never thirst again. And then she went back and told him. She said, "What? She said I perceive that this man is a prophet because he told me about me." At first, she wasn't talking about her. She was talking about the other people. I listen. I don't want to come to this well anymore because of the other people. He says, "No, I'm showing you you. I'm showing you you. Forget about the other people. I'm showing you you." Forget about what you're supposed to be doing in ministry right now. Right right now. I'm showing you you. Because until I get you to the place where I need you to be, you can't help the ministry like I need you to help the ministry. I'm showing you you. All of that sound at the table. The sound at the table. What happens? What happens when we hunger and thirst? So, Matthew chapter 5, we're not going to go there because I need to get to another scripture. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. It says that when you hunger and thirst, what? You shall be filled. You can go back and read it when you, when you can, when you want to. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Read it in your time, in your prayer time. Put that as a, as a, as a scripture for your, your prayer time and your study time. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Shall, he says, if you eat, if you, if you hunger and you thirst, you shall be filled. John 7. Verses 37 and 38. Oh, uh, no, i got to go here. i got to go to this one. Uh, John 7. Let's look at verse 37. The scripture says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, that great day, listen, in that last day, that great day of the feast, coming to the table, that's always the great day of the feast for us. Jesus stood, cried, saying, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Yes, that is a part of our, that's a part of our confession. That's a part of, of, of who we are, the, the of wells of living water. That's, that's a part of, of who we are. But God, again, God is telling us that if you hunger and you thirst, Out of your belly shall flow, listen, out of your belly shall flow, despite what we've already done, despite the people that we have already ministered to, despite, listen, we're going to see... God says, we're going to see these walls expand. That's why we're building, because we're going to see these walls expanding. We're going to see the people in here expanding. He says that in this prayer time, in this fasting, in this prayer time, the time that I'm trying to get you to and get you through, He says, if you would do this, you're going to see a greater outpouring that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. I'm not just talking about two or three of us. I'm talking about a slew of us. Because if you, if you, and that's why I said it's all, it's all, it's all. It is all personal. Because he's talking to each and every individual person in this room. He didn't call us one to a fast. He called us all to a fast. All of us he called to a fast. All of us. Because he says, I have a work for each and every one of you to do. I don't care who you are. I don't care what age you are. I don't care about any of that. If you are he... You have been called to this. Listen, listen, look at this. Look at this in Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. This blessed my soul so. Isaiah chapter 58. Let's start reading at verse 6. Isaiah 58 and 6. Hallelujah to your name, Lord God. Let this speak to you. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. Listen! Listen to what the Spirit of God is telling you. Listen to what He's telling you. He says, is this not the fast that I have chosen for you? Through your pastor, I have said... This is not something that your pastor has conjured up. This is something that I have given... That I have given. That's why you need to take it seriously. Is this not? Is this the fast? Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness in your life? All of those things that you thought were right. All of those hidden things that you thought. All of those things that you thought were correct. All of those things that you thought you were good. He says, is it? I'm trying to loose those bands of wickedness. I'm trying to lift those heavy burdens. Has he lifted some burdens for you? Since you've been in this prayer and fast, how has he lifted some burdens for you? Hallelujah. He says he wants to let the oppressed go free. He wants to make you free indeed. He wants to make you free indeed. Let the oppressed go free. That ye break every yoke. He wants you to break every yoke, every chain. It is not to, to deal by bread to the hungry. And that thou bring the poor that, uh, that, that are cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked that thou cover, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Then shall thou call on the Lord, and, sh- uh, the, Lord shall, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as a noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul. In drought and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a water garden and like a spring of water whose waters never fail not. He said, I've called you to this fast, I've called you here for a reason. We're trying to get to break those yokes, we're trying to break those chains, we're trying to loose you. You need to be loose. Why? Why? Because you need to be able to give to the hungry. You need to be able to feed the poor. You need to be able to minister to the needs of others. And as you do that, and as you continue to come to me, I will give unto you continually. He says, you're going to bring be as a spring of water. He says, you're going to be fresh. You're going to be as a water garden. And you know, a water garden is pretty to look at, but it supplies everything that you need. He wants us to be a supplier. This is what he's calling us to. This is what he's getting us to. These are the walls that's being built. I don't want you to consider. I know we said, so, so God, is, so there's, three, there's three things that he's doing, right? So that he's, he's, uh, uh, he says that, that we're establishing a church. He says that, that we are uh, being wall builders. He says that we are restoring the next generation. But guess what? All of those, those three, are not, uh, they're not working independently. They're working simultaneously. Listen, if we, are, if we are building walls, if we are, no, if we are establishing the church, in order to establish the church, we have the foundation. In order to establish the church, we've got to have the walls. In, in, in establishing the church, you have to have the next generation to help establish it. All three working together. What do the walls do? The wall protects. The wall keeps things out that shouldn't come in. The wall protects those who are inside. That's why we are building. That's why it's important for us to restore the next generation. Not just to help establish the church, but in the wall building. Because as we do that, we are protecting one another. Listen, that's why we're going to get, I think God is going to show us in all this time. And when he gets us through all this cleansing process and what we need to do, he's going to show you gifts. He's going to start to show you gifts. I think the Lord is, this, this is where he's going to take us. That's going to be his next step because he needs to show you the gift that he's given. All of the protectional gifts, all of those gifts, he's going to show you what your part is because that's part of the protecting. That's a part of the protecting. And he needs us to be on the wall in those areas to protect what's inside, to keep out what's not supposed to be here. He is going to do that for us. It's all a part of what God is doing. It's all a part of his plan. He says that all I need for you to do is just come to the table and eat. He says all I need for you to do is have a hunger and a desire and a thirst. You have a hunger and you have to desire and you have to thirst. You have to hunger, you have to desire, and you have to thirst. So if it is necessary to bring to God's table willingness and obedience, if it's necessary to bring to his table faith, if it's necessary to bring to his table a hunger and a thirst, then how do you develop what's necessary to bring to the table in these last 15 minutes that I have? How do you develop what's necessary to bring to the table? A, you have to renew your mind. Renewing your mind means you have to train it. You're training it. You have to be disciplined in it. You're training and you have to be disciplined in it. Look at this in 2 Peter. That means, so it, a part of renewing your mind and part of training it is that you, it requires that you value the will of God over your own. i got to train my mind. I'm training my mind. I'm disciplining my mind to say that, what the, that I'm placing a greater value on the will of God over my own. 2 Peter chapter, uh, 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. Let's look at verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overflow, making them an ensample unto, uh, those, unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered deliver just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day, and with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly, Out of the temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. So here he's telling us, if it's true, if it's true that Noah preached that word, he preached the word, listen, but he was... Uh, Valuing the will of God over your own. It requires that you not be selfless. That you not be selfish. It requires selflessness. Noah was selfless. He was not selfish. He not only preached. He he did what God told. He built the ark. But he preached the word of God. He preached the word. It wasn't just about his soul being saved. It was about others being saved. He was trying to get them there. Now they didn't want to listen. But he was trying. He was trying. He was taking on his will. He could have very well said, "I'm going to build this ark like God said. We are going to get it, me and my family, and to heck uh, with everybody else." He could have said that, but he—it was not about his will. It was about God's will. He was desiring what God wanted. He wanted. I am here not to do my own will, but to do the will of my Father and to be governed by my King. I am only here to do the will of my Father and to be governed by my King. Valuing the will of God, it also requires sacrifice. Giving up the lesser for the greater. Here he says, I deliver just like. So yeah, the lot... Lot stayed longer than he than he should have. He vexed his soul. Listen, we stay longer in sin and, and, and in things that God is trying to get us. Listen, how many times? You know what? Sometimes some of these things that God is revealing to us, that we, and some of them we already know. Some of he's revealing some hidden things, but some of it is already that, he, that we already know that he's been trying to get us to get rid of. We've been holding on to those things for some years. Just like Lot stayed in this land too long, and he vexed his soul with that. He says, "But God is saying, He says that if now this is a, now, the, this is a crucial time. This is a crucial time And this fasting and this praying time. He says, if you were just to get, I don't care how long you've been in it, if you were to just give it to me now, this is a crucial time." Verse nine: The Lord knoweth how to deliver. He knows how to deliver the godly. Out of temptations, you are godly. I'm not saying that you're not. He says that I'm trying to deliver you. Lot was godly, but he was caught up in some things and, and some things of this world. He had he had his eyes focused on the money that he could make in this city of Sodom and Gomorrah. He allowed all of those things to vex his soul. He, he vexed his soul by staying there because he wanted all of these things that, that he could gain. He saw the he saw the benefits of it. Sometimes we see the benefits of things that God is trying to get rid of in our lives. Self-willed. Instead of saying, no, God, if, this, if you don't want this, then I don't want it. Being God-willed. If you don't want it, I don't want it. Regardless of what I think is valuable in it. We have to exchange the lesser for the greater. Prayer and fasting. So, how do you develop what's necessary to bring to the table? You need to renew your mind. You renew your mind by valuing the will of God over your own. And that means being selfless. That means sacrificing. B, it requires fasting and praying. Because fasting and praying, it reveals the need for our dependency on God. And it encourages and strengthens the need for dependency on God. It reveals our need, our dependency. It reveals the need for our dependency. And it encourages and strengthens the need. So as we starve our life, so, 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 so this, this is it. This time, and I've said this before, this time of your fasting and praying, it's going to help you. If you have not had a true desire, if you have not, not had a thirst, let me put it that way, if you have not had a thirst and a hunger for prayer, a thirst and a hunger for fasting, the benefits that you have seen is going to bring you to a place of hunger and thirst. Listen, it's because we have starved our bodies of the things that bring us pleasure. It's when you starve your body of the things that bring you pleasure. It helps to facilitate a hunger for something else. When you starve your body of the things that, it norm- that normally brings it pleasure, then you are facilitating a hunger and a thirst for something else. Let that sink in. When you starve your body of things that bring it pleasure, you are helping to facilitate a hunger for something else. This fasting and this praying, it helps us to be more intentional and focused when seeking God. It helps us to hear better, but it helps us to be intentional. It helps us to be intentional on focusing on Him. It reveals to us, look look at this in Jeremiah chapter uh, 16. Jeremiah 16. 16 and 17. For mine eyes are upon all their ways. They are not hidden from they are not hidden from my face. Neither is their iniquity hid from mine eyes. So here we see that his ways, we say we need to get rid of our selfless ways and we need to, we need to tack on to what he wills. He says, for mine eyes are open always, that we are naked and open before him. His eyes are open always to our ways and our ways are not hid from his face. Neither is our iniquity hid from From his eyes. So he reveals those hidden motives and those hidden sins. Seeing what you lack in your emptiness, listen to this. Seeing what you lack in your emptiness. when 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 he shows you just how much you need him. When he shows you just who you are without him. When he shows that to you, it helps to prepare your heart to receive what you need from him. To know that my iniquities are not hid from his eyes. To know that I am open and naked. that To show that I am empty and I am helpless without my God. That helps to facilitate so that you can receive what you need from the Lord. If you think that you're righteous and you think that you're holy, you're not going to be able to receive from the Lord. You have to understand that, regard, again, regardless of, of how long you've been saved, regardless of what you do in the church, regardless of any of that. He says there is none righteous. No, not one. None. The righteousness that you have is only in me. It's only in me. You remove Jesus, you're going straight to hell. Don't pass gold, don't collect $200, just go straight. Nothing is hid from him. He strengthens us, this prayer and this fasting. It strengthens us for temptations and trials that lie ahead. Think about Jesus. Think about when he was in the, he, he fasted for 40 days. He fasted all of that time. Then he went to the, to, to, he, he was led into the, to the wilderness to be tempted. Remember? And, and Satan came to him and tried to tempt him. He says, listen, the hunger and the thirst, the bread that I have, all of that. He says, look, you can't tempt me with nothing. I don't care what you think you got. All these temptations, all of your plans—that I'm not. He said, "God is saying, I'm preparing you in this, as is how you're hungering and thirsty. If you would take advantage of this time, I'm preparing you for the temptations that's going to come and lie ahead. All of those obstacles we talked about, all of those oppositions. He says, I am go- I am going to. I'm preparing you for it. I am preparing you for it." All of those doors that are going to be shut in your face when you go out to witness, I'm preparing you for it. Because then we're going to see the doors that are going to be open. I'm preparing you for it. He says, All of those things, I'm preparing. I, the, you need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You need to be comfortable. With being uncomfortable. Because this is where God is preparing us for. He's preparing us to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable talking to people? I'm preparing you to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. All of this is found at the table. All of this. He says, All I need for you to do is come, receive, Be willing. Be obedient. Set your affections on that. Be God-willed and not self-willed. Don't be selfish. I need you to be selfless. I need you to hunger and I need you to thirst. I need you to hunger and I need you to thirst. Our prayer and fasting, it strengthens our intimacy with God. When you see that you have a dependency on Him, that strengthens your intimacy with Him. That means you want to to go. You want to be closer to Him. You want to draw. You will want to draw closer. Because you see the benefits of being. You see the benefits of being in His presence. Have you seen the benefits of being in His presence? Some of us have sensed his presence like never before, like we never have before. Some of us have been more sensitive, more in tune to him, listening, I mean, talking to us. And we are being able to hear him even throughout the day. More sensitive to that. See, that's, that's an intimacy. We're developing an intimacy with him. That's what prayer and fasting does. It helps develop that intimacy with him. It builds your faith and your trust or your dependency on God. Prayer and fasting, is going to build your faith. It's going to build your trust and your dependency on God. Why? Listen, part of this, as I close, some of us, Probably never thought anybody is is anybody the first time ever ever fasting. No, no, I mean fasting period. I know what I said anybody ever fasted for this is your first time fasting. Okay, your first time, your first fast. So you probably thought in your mind, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can do this, right? Especially if you're a meat and potatoes person. I don't know if Jeffrey is like uh, like. um, uh tathier is, because tathier he loves meat. Okay. So, yeah. So if he's like that, he probably thought to himself, there is no way. If I've never gone without meat. Or whatever it is, I've never gone without this. I've never gone without candy. I don't know what that is to put that to just say I I'm not gonna do it. Right? So so then you have Again, faith, prayer, and fasting—it helps build. It helps build your trust and your faith in God. So now he's going to have to depend on God for that. He's like, Lord, I don't know. I don't know about this. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure if I can do this. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to—I'm going to have to trust you to get me through this because I can't do this by myself. I don't know if you if felt that way. You know, like God, God, I, I, some, and some people, and, here, and it goes to the other extreme. I haven't had a craving for all those things that I've put aside. I haven't even had a craving for. Haven't even desired them. Why? Because our trust and our dependency is on God. we switch switched focus. Now you realize, yes, I can do without those things. I can do without them. I can do without it. My trust. My, you know, if it wasn't for God, there was no, if it wasn't for God, these cravings, I mean, the, the cravings that I would have uh, that I'm not having, I know that that's God. I know that it is. Why? Because he says, is this not the fast that I've called? You know what? I don't know about you, and, I'm trying, and, and, not, and not that I'm not that I'm um, you know doing this fast for for to, to lose weight or nothing like that. Because if I had, if I really had the will to do it, I could have done it without, right? To lose a to lose a few pounds or lose a few inches, I could have done that if I had the will to do it. I have a desire, but not a will. Because when you set your will to it, you're going to do it, right? So that things that I could I could have been doing, but. But I, you know, and I, you say it's hard. You know, it's hard to exercise. It's hard to do this. It's hard to get rid of this. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. It's hard to do that. But now that I'm fasting and praying, all those things that I was saying in my mind that it was hard to do, I'm not doing. And it's not hard to do, but it's because of the reason. It's because of the reason. Not that not that losing a share the three pounds is not a good reason. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that I had to, it had to be God's purpose. For me, it had to be God's purpose for me to say, okay, I'm doing this. It's crazy. That's a lack of self-discipline. That's a lack of self-discipline. That's crazy that God has to call a fast for me me to be able to put down some things that I know I should have been putting down anyway. But all I'm saying is, is that you know that it's God. Your dependency is on God to sustain you and to keep you. Because you, we're receiving bread like no other. We're receiving bread like no other. We're receiving drink like no other. Because God is a sustainer. Amen. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, Please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.